I'm Jordan. And I'm Rosanna. And on this podcast, we explore how to take life off autopilot and relentlessly pursue a life worth living together. together. Hello, and welcome to season 10, episode 13 of the Relentless Pursuit podcast, Tend Your Garden. Episode 13, last episode of season 10. This is the end of season 10. So thanks for joining us on this journey. This is the the summer season of 2023. So I uh, just want to give you a heads up that since it's the end of a season, that means there's going to be a few weeks where uh, we won't have any new episodes. Such a sad time. I know that's the saddest time in my podcast life. But the good news is, if you are a little bit more recent to the podcast, you have nine other seasons filled with 12 and 13 episodes each that you can go back um, and just kind of search and and see what you find. Yeah, time to revive some favorites or maybe discover something new for yourself that uh, we have talked about. And uh, of course, we are going to be soliciting online any ideas for new episodes. So a lot happening in between season 10 and season 11. To be honest, I'm already excited about season 11. We have some good ideas lined up that uh, I think are going to be equally thrilling. You're funny. You're already excited about season 11. I can't wait for the break from season 10. (laughs) So uh, today's topic is really inspired by some of our experiences over the summer. And um, I would say is our favorite metaphor for life, the garden. The garden, that's our favorite. We, we do a lot of metaphors on the podcast. No, I would argue that this is, this metaphor probably comes up the most, but I don't, I don't feel like it's come up that often and it warrants its own conversation. Uh, although I will say I, I was so certain that in our original list of ideas for the podcast before we ever recorded anything back in 2020, this was on that list. And I went back and I reviewed that list because we still have it and it, it wasn't on there. But well, I was I was pretty sure we were going to talk about like favorite metaphors and this this has always been on the list and always been a way that we've thought about life and uh, so I'm eager to talk about this and, and share this with our audience too because it's very useful. Yeah, and you know we were talking about you know we're wrapping up summer here. Our kids uh, finally went back to school. This is the first full week that our kids uh, will be attending school. And uh, as we wrap up summer, one of the traditions that we always do, one of the things we do every summer is we go to my grandmother's house. Uh, My grandmother is 91 and a half years old, Mm. and she has a garden that is probably bigger than most people's kitchens. Um, It's It's probably bigger than a lot of people's houses. It's enormous. (laughs) It's it's sizable. Uh, And she still tills the soil there and plants a garden every single year. Um, and she says that it, you know, it gives her purpose and it, you know, gives her something to do. And I really do think it helps is like what helps sustain her is like this, this purpose and this, um, very, um, methodical way that she, she goes about it. But, um, we take the kids there every summer and we let them look and they, you know, they go step in and they start plucking things and we take pictures next to the zucchini. And, and so I was thinking about that and, um, in conjunction with the fact that every, every single morning when I wake up, uh, Jordan is is outside watering grass seed. That's right. So that has been a recent project of mine. We have a few barren patches. One is a rather sizable patch. And I've been, you know, doing following all the steps, like churning up the soil. And I put fresh dirt down there. And uh, I've been putting the grass seed in and with loving, tender care, been watering it 20 minutes every morning, just soaking it. And... It's still extremely patchy, <laughs> but less patchy than it was than when I started. It's I thought it would be easier to grow grass. Well, you know. Mm-hmm. So I mean, no, we're no strangers to you know this idea of like just being close to nature and trying to have things grow um, as much as one can be in the suburbs. And I can't even say we have a garden of our own. Uh, we have no, but we have the typical flower beds landscaping, in the front, yeah, yeah, that we yeah. have to like maintain and mulch and pull weeds, and we've been. Um, slowly, we kind of redid some of our landscaping a couple summers ago, um, knowing that it wasn't complete. And so we moved some things around and added some plants. And um, lately, I've been adding like peonies to the front. And so it just, you know, it's this slow progression of, all right, where, where are the places that need something? And I planted some allium last year, and I added more this year. And so like, you know, just the idea of like, cultivating the landscape out front and bringing in colors and things that bloom at, you know, different times of year to like, you know, just just make it more appealing. And like when I look at it, like I smile when certain things bloom. And, it's you know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. 
Um, so you're not going to get any gardening tips from, from the two of us. Um, but metaphorically, that's probably a strength of ours anyway, is the, the metaphor rather than the real thing. Um, do you have any other, before we get into the garden, any other favorite analogies for life? No, I think this idea of like tending your garden and like growing plants, like there, there's a lot to it. So let's just dive in. Okay. So first, we'll just spend a little bit of time explaining the metaphor. And uh, then we have a whole bunch of just ideas and interpretations that we'll get into about ways we can understand this garden of life and some of the implications that we can draw from nature. Um, and so this episode may be a little bit more lighthearted, but still like, I would say like deep and, and introspective about what our gardens are and how we are going about tending them for better or worse. So here we go. The garden metaphor. Uh, so, I, I mean, I think it's relatively obvious to say like your garden or your life is like a garden patch. At first, when you're born, it's relatively barren. Uh, over time, you plant seeds, and those seeds have the potential to grow into something beautiful, precious, I would even say sacred. Uh, but they don't just grow by themselves, or we know this from uh, trying to grow anything of value or meaning. You have to tend the garden. You have to try to help these things grow intentionally. So we must make sure that we are providing good soil even if our garden didn't like automatically come with good soil. Uh, we have to water our flowers. We have to give them sunshine, protect them from winds and animals and disease. You have to weed your garden. You have to get rid of the bad so that the good can flourish. And then nothing just blossoms overnight. The most beautiful, precious, and sacred flowers take time to grow. Uh, so that that's the initial picture that we want to start with. And um, I think from there, we can explore what these flowers are, uh, and of course, what all the other elements may represent and how we relate to them. All right. So what do you think so far? Any other details and important elements that we should add to that metaphor? Well, no, you know, just that last line kind of stuck with me. You know, there's beautiful, precious, sacred flowers that take time to grow. What's interesting is I'm always anticipating that in the spring of like what comes up and when. Um, and what's funny is with the peonies that I planted last year and then again this year, um, you like wait for them to grow. And then with peonies, they're so delicate. They only bloom for such a short time. And then like once you have them, like I literally like walk out there every morning and I like wait for the progress. And like you see the buds and then there's these like little ants that climb and like open them. It's like this whole process. And even this spring, if you are friends with me on social media, like on my personal feed, like literally pictures of my peonies and all like of the, the stages. day by day update. I don't know which one of us is lame because like you really get into it and you like give me the updates like my flowers are opening and like I appreciate it. But at the same time, like, oh, OK, yeah. Uh, you know, different things are important to different people and that's fine. Um, three years ago, maybe four years ago, I didn't give two, you know, what's about peonies or anything else. Um, but the, you know, they've come to signify like a reminder of your mom. Um, yeah, she, those she those were her those favorite flowers that she had planted probably maybe like five or six years ago. And then when hers used to bloom, I used to like, ooh and ah over them. Um, and your mom used to love when I loved something that she loved. Cause I mean, we had things in common, but n not a lot not of the same. Yeah. And so when we could share that, she would like cut them for me and then I would like put them in water. And then, um, like my mom had peonies planted when they redid their landscaping. And that was like really around the same time your mom had passed away. And so then my mom was cutting her peonies and giving them to me. Mm. And then I got to the point where I was like, I want to plant peonies like in reminder of your mom. And now I have my own. It's like this thing yeah. that it's a, it's a beautiful, but they're so short lived mm. and they're so temporary. And I cut all of them and I, I put them on my desk and I work and, and I just watch them. And it's, it's just this reminder of like how um, precious and how fleeting things are. Like you wait all of this time for this thing to like grow and be beautiful. And then it's only like that. Like you maybe have peonies for like a month total from like start to finish. And then you just have a green plant out front. Right. Should we tell everyone where we got our current peonies? If you know me, you know where I got them. And that's all you need to know. Well, I think our some listeners would like to get to know you. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. So some I had purchased. I had purchased some peony bulbs some like starter plants from Platte Hill here in Bloomingdale for those of you who are local. Um, and they were just like the first year you plant them, like nothing happens. But at the end of our block, there is an abandoned house. There's actually several abandoned houses at the end of our block. Yeah. It's a beautiful street. Uh, <laughs> and the funniest thing is that, I mean, these houses look like. They're not, abandoned for a reason. Yes. Yeah. Not much of anything, but there is probably 
25 feet of peonies planted on the side of this abandoned house. Um, and they're gorgeous. And they're gorgeous. And they're like in these bright colors and they're gorgeous. And so I, as the you know neighborhood captain, decided that we were going to re-beautify the block by maybe temporarily um, moving them from one location to another. So, of course, I sent my dad with a wheelbarrow and a shovel to dig them so up we, and plant them in my yard. Yeah, we stole them from down the street. There's still 20 yards, 20 feet of peonies over there. There's just five feet That's by okay. me. All right, yeah. What does that signify? We won't get into that. All right. Uh, okay. So, um, you know, that, that actually reminds me of the, the peonies and their, their uh, you know, fleeting, transient nature. Um, it brings me back to the classic Dennis the Menace. You remember this? Like the movie? Mr. Wilson was part of the gardening club. Oh. Oh, remember yeah. and, and it's like one day under a certain moonlight this one flower like blooms it just and then blooms it dies like for one moment and of course due to dennis the menace mr wilson misses the blooming um all right so let's dig into this metaphor uh, a little bit further because we introduced a few elements that relate to life or can signify aspects of life so we talked about the flowers that were obviously trying to get to grow uh, we talked about the dirt or the soil right the the winds the beasts the elements the weeds like all, all of these kind of play a role in how we maybe look at certain aspects of life so let's just start with the flower itself kind of the the purpose or the goal of the garden what would you say rosanna are some elements in life that flowers might represent some things that you're you're trying to grow I mean, you know, I think about like self-growth. I think about like the growth of our family, like this this raising of our kids, right? Like they're they're born into the world and like from the time that they're born, you're like planting these seeds with them about what it means to be, right? Like a good person and and what it means to like live an intentional life and purposeful um, but even like the beautiful things in your life, like your passions, your interests, your relationships, you know, flowers can kind of flowers, fruit, vegetables. I mean, really, no matter, it doesn't matter what you're planting, right? But like that culmination of like that, that ending thing, whatever that might be. Yeah, I feel like, for, I mean, for me, like family stands out the most. And like the first would be you. Like I, I used to be, I used to be alone, like just me. So I picture like a barren garden. And then one day, like I, I planted uh, this like beautiful though delicate flower. And I think that like the, the delicateness of these things, I think is important too, because it's, they can just grow by themselves, but if you want to be intentional about it and maybe bring it to its fullest fruition, like you really have to like give it some attention. And so I feel like that's maybe the first and most important flower in my garden is, is you or a relationship in a sense. And I want to protect that and, you know, make sure that it is, watered and and given sunshine and some of the things that would seek to destroy it or blot it out are things that we avoid. And then I would agree to like what you said, like with the kids, it's like, okay, like I started with one flower and then we slowly planted like one more and then one more and then one more. And then it's kind of like weeds kids are in a way. No, but we were very intentional about them and same thing now as they start like small, fragile, delicate, and we have to consider like, what is the, what are the ways we can water them and give them appropriate amounts of sunshine and at the same time, like protect them from the things that might stunt their growth or their fullest potential. Anything else? <laughs> no. She nods in agreement. Like, okay. <laughs> Every once we have to remind each other, this is a podcast, so any nonverbals we need to articulate. All right. Um, so, and I think about even, like you said, self-growth too. So like, what are the other things that we personally might value? So of course, like there's other relationships or other people in our lives and any other friends or extended family, like all of that could be considered this this garden that's starting to grow. Um, I think about like even just moral qualities, like how can I help these beautiful things in my life, like come to better, fuller fruition rather than just assuming that they'll grow by themselves. So like, it's almost as like anything in this, this garden, like this, this picture we have in our lives can potentially be beautiful and magnificent, but there is a, a fragility and a temporariness to them too, that if we're not careful, we can, maybe make assumptions or overlook what their potential might be and miss the, the, the bigger picture of the garden that we can grow. Well, and when you think of flowers too, you know, things that I've learned along the way is that you have like annuals and you have perennials. So your perennials come back every year. So like my peonies, you plant once, you kind of like 
cut down at the end of the year and then they regrow the next year. And so for those things, it's, it's like this maintenance, you know, where it's like the seed has been planted, it's it's firmly rooted in the soil and it will come back. But it's like the kind of care and attention you give to it is different um, than um, maybe some, I'm trying to think of like another flower you plant like every year. Um I'm no help here. I, you know, I'm like, I'm drawing a blank, uh, but the, you know, there are impatience or something like that where you, you plant, you know, sometimes in flower beds, sometimes in pots, like for color and they're temporary. And then you get to a point at the end of September, maybe beginning of October where like frost comes or you're just at the point where you're just now neglecting your pots because you got other things going on and they die. And then you just pull them out and you throw them away and then you start again. And I think that there are multiple things in your life that are like that. There are things that that you plant that are firmly rooted that will be there year after year, season after season that take care and cultivation. And there are other things that you take out at the end of the summer, you know, to make room for like your fall plants, you know, your mums that you then put in to write signify fall and a different kind of color and a different kind of feeling and right like and and they provide a different kind of enjoyment. Uh, but again, all temporary where you plant them, you enjoy them and then they are done. They kind of like they, they fill the course and then you move on. Whereas you have these things that constantly come back. Yeah. So part of it is like knowing like what are what are those certain like kinds of qualities or relationships that are, are befitting to your garden now uh, versus like all the time. And, and it requires some attention to like consider like what those elements are, which ones do I need to change out and or which ones are not part of my garden that I've always kind of wanted to be and when is the right time to to plant them and to cultivate them. And the same thing, like when I buy, you know, I get really excited then like in May to like, you know, bring flowers and colors and plants and pots out. And you have to always like read the tags. It's like this needs full sun. Right. So I can't put something that needs full shade on our on our back deck because it will die immediately. And so it's just like paying attention to like the needs of your space and like and the conditions around it where it's like, man, I'd really like to be, uh, I don't know, you know, uh, a swimmer but I don't have access to a pool and I don't know how to swim. Like, so you always have to consider like, like what, what you have available to you, what skills are available, what time you have it. And, and you pick things accordingly. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, Same thing. Like you have full sun plants, but all you have is shade around your house. Well, then you can't plant those. So it's like, all right, well, how do I beautify this space knowing what my conditions are? You know, I I was thinking a lot about the, like the soil because we're in my understanding of the metaphor I would imagine like almost everybody is born with a different soil. Like, and that's where like the minerals are. That's kind of like the, the baseline for what you'll be planting in. And I, I mean, I, I think about like our innate strengths, like just who we are, what are our strengths, our weaknesses, our preferences, a lot of stuff you can't necessarily control, especially as you're growing up. And I would even consider like these external factors too. Like, where do you live? Are you in the city? Are you in the suburbs? Are you in the country? Are you born rich? Are you born poor? Uh, What access do you have to education and to resources? What was your family like growing up? Like all these external influential factors are providing like the baseline for your soil. And so when you try to make something grow in your soil, it might like really shoot up under like the conditions that you have innately, but not necessarily in someone else's garden or vice versa. Well, go to Home Depot and you have many options for soil, right? Like you have soil specifically for like gardens, like growing vegetables. And then you have like, you know, soils for like plants um, and flowers. And, you know, you know, same thing, like even in different parts of the United States, right? Like there's like different types of soil, right? Like red, red dirt and this kind of dirt. Right. And so like in, like when your parents moved to Texas, there was a flower, your mom loved hydrangeas. Your mom tried to have people in Texas plant hydrangeas in Texas, but because of the heat and the conditions and the type of soil, like they died. Yeah. And so it's like, sometimes it, it's not just based on what you like or what you want to do. You have to think about like the conditions that you have or the soil that's there or, or what you're going to do to, you know, to kind of protect it from the elements. Yeah. I just, I, I don't think it's as easy 
to like change your soil, so to speak? I mean, you can't, especially as you become an adult and, and more aware of the conditions that you are currently in or were raised in and the kinds of things you would like to cultivate. Like you might recognize there's a mismatch there, but I mean, say you were born in poverty. It's not just easy to say, well, I'm just going to, you know, get out of poverty and then I can do all these things. There's like, that's a pretty big challenge in many instances. And, and I think about some of the other things that, you know, even in our own lives, so just like where we're at or what opportunities or limitations we have, some of which we might not even be aware of. And then as we're trying to like grow our garden, so to speak, I think that's one of the first things we need to look at is like, what is the the condition of my soil and what do I have control over? Where's the quote unquote Home Depot garden section <laughs> Or I can go and maybe find some of the things that I actually need as the baseline foundation for this garden before I start like throwing seeds in it and getting frustrated that nothing is blooming. So this is interesting too. So I'm, you know, if you're talking about like soil and and gardening or flowers, um, probably how many years ago? Three years ago, I like became a plant lady. Uh, we never had like actual plants in our house, and then like I started taking an interest. I think plant lady is a good yeah. descriptor. Um, I like I now have a ten foot tall uh, fiddle fig tree in our bedroom that outgrew our bathroom, and you know, and it's not. But anyways, long story short, like I I started with I think sometimes when we have aspirations in our life or we're looking to build something, sometimes we like go all in, and maybe we go too big and too fast. And so like in terms of this garden metaphor, now where we live and uh, what is around us, planting a garden would like would not work in our yard. And so like I've done small things like planted like a tomato plant in a pot on our deck or I have some basil on our deck because like I know that if I put a garden, first of all, there's too much shade in the backyard and I'm not planting it in the middle of the front yard and we have a lot of animals, transient animals in and out. If your grandma could do it, we could figure it out. Anyways, it's just not ideal. (laughs) Plus, I have my grandma with a garden, my parents, our neighbors, everyone gives us their stuff. I don't have to grow my own. But back to the plant lady thing, I started with a couple small plants Um, and what's interesting is all of the plants were very different and they required a different kind of care. And so like I started with like two plants, uh, and then that grew to like four plants. And then like of those four plants, like one died. And, you know, it was like, I was very agitated when that happened because I was like, listen, I got three other plants here. They're all doing fine. Why did this one die? And so like you read about like, well, how to take care of this plant and what does that plant need? And all right, let me change its light source or how often I water. And so it's interesting is that you kind of get to know kind of like how you get to know your kids. You get to know your plants and like what they need and how they thrive and and what you need to do. And then there were times where like the plant grew so big that I needed to take it out of one container and move it to a bigger container. So what's interesting is over time, like with more experience, you kind of learn and understand like what's in your garden. You understand what's in your pot and you better know how to take care of it. And so when I went to a plant store, they're like, right, this is a a relatively easy plant to start with. It doesn't need a lot of care. You really can't kill it. And so I think in life, sometimes we kind of have to understand that. Like sometimes we can't all dig a huge garden and plant 50 different varieties of vegetables and expect everything to go well. Sometimes we have to tend a very small garden, right, with maybe just one or two things to understand like the process of doing that, to, to learn skills, to kind of like build up that knowledge, to like lean on other people's understanding, to take time to research. And I think that's what I've learned with like plants. And then occasionally I've learned that sometimes plants just die. It doesn't even matter like how well you take care of it or if you do everything right. Like it's just a part of nature. It's just their time to go. And you just got to get rid of them. Yeah. So I like I've kind of learned a lot with like plants and flowers and that type of thing. Um, But you don't you're you're not just born knowing that. And I didn't always have like a an inclination to really give a care about any of that. And it's just like as I've gotten older, like. Maybe I have more of an appreciation or a patience for it because it's not like a a one and done. This is like a continual every week tending, mm-hmm. right? And you have to pay attention. And in life, there's there's a lot that like just distracts you. And it's like, what do I care about this plant or that pot or that garden or these flowers? But when you start to neglect those things, right, like the end result is not good. Yeah, you can't just assume they're going to keep growing. It'd be nice if like when kids came home from the hospital, there's like a little tag that you could go look up more information about how to specifically tend that kid. This one's a little ornery at this time. Yeah. Oh, you Please have a girl. That's this. an easy one. Um, 
I also think about like like taking care of kids is, is definitely one avenue. It's like one like one species of of plant. Uh, but I also think about like our inner qualities as well. Like I would love to grow more honesty and generosity in myself. Well, how do I do? Like where's where's the tag to like tell me like what what even is the the sunshine and the shade and and, and the elements for that too. So like to your point, it requires attention and it requires uh, like the patience to, to figure out kind of like you have to like figure out the, the, the combination of elements to make something grow. Like you got to spend time with yourself, like cultivating this and, and almost experimenting, playing around, maybe failing with uh, a couple of things until you finally like unlock the secret of that particular flower. And then you can watch it grow and, and feed it more of what it needs. Yeah, I mean, a garden is very much a long game. Um, and it's funny watching my kids go to even my parents' house and like the the different phases of my dad's garden, you know, from like, it's a dirt, it's a box with dirt in it, uh, to planting seeds to like little sprouts. And then it's like this, this huge tomato plant and Roman comes back with a shirt basket, you know, his shirt pulled up with all of the, the tomatoes inside. And it's, you know, it's, it's a long game. Like we're talking from like April to like October. Well, not even that, you know, that's, it's like that's t- just one year, like think after like 20 years of experience, then you like really know the like all like, you, you know, those specific species of plants, you know, your soil, you know, your climate, and you know, like how much water and what. And you've tried and, a bunch of different things. Right. So you know what works and what doesn't. But you also know, like, not even what works and what doesn't for your plant, but you know what works and what doesn't for you. Right. Like. If I'm not the kind of person who's going to go out and water these these plants every day, like I can't have a garden like you're signing up to water these plants every day. You're signing like, right, like you have to know yourself enough to know what you're capable of with this. So you're saying like, don't have kids if you're not going to like play the long game with them. Same thing. Don't commit to a particular skill if you're not prepared to see it through over a much longer period of time than maybe any of us would expect or prefer. Yeah. Um, you mentioned this too, like you, you can't just plant everything at once. And I read a surprising number of gardening blogs because anytime I tried to do any searches about like tending your garden, would you, could you believe it? I kept getting like all these gardening blogs. Interesting. Yeah. It was either gardening blogs or it was religious. Oh, I could see that. Yeah. Or it was sexual. Actually, was that, say, that also when came you said, up too. <laughs> when you said the title of the episode was Tend Your Garden, I, I went in a different direction. Why would your mind, my mind would go there maybe. Well, but, I've been okay. hanging out with you too yeah, long. Okay. Um, anyway, someone said that they, in fact, tried to like, you know, over plant uh, a particular area with different varieties of flowers. And uh, they said the result was that they overcrowded and kind of drowned each other out. So they ended up trying to plant like a variety of flowers and only one species of flower ended up taking over the whole area was their result. Um, and so I, I saw some like metaphor in that too, where like how, like, how many flowers are you really planting at a time? How big can your garden realistically be? Because if you have all these different elements that each require different kinds of sunshine and water and protection and cultivation, then that that's a lot of work. And if you overplant, chances are that you're you're going to make things overly complicated. So it seems wiser to, like you were saying, like play this longer game of right. What are some of the more significant flowers in my garden? And let me tend those first. Now that those are, I figured it out. Um, they're bigger, probably healthier. They have deeper roots and so on. Now I can go on and plant some additional things as well. Well, and, you know, if we go, we go back to like my grandma's garden or my dad's garden, like um, they always say, I remember even at our old house, we planted, what do we plant? We planted like zucchini and some tomatoes. And my dad's like, mm, you can't plant the tomatoes that close to the zucchini. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, zucchini plants, they they grow very wide and they take up a lot of room. He's like, so you can't plant those like in the same row. They need to have their own space to grow wide. Uh, the same thing I've watched my dad and my grandma plant pumpkins the last several years. And they kind of plant those, take those up a lot of space, a ton of space and they spread. And so like knowing that it's like, you know, think about your kids, like I have kids. They take up a lot of space. They take up a lot of my time and my attention. Like, are you prepared for that? Same thing with a dog. Remember what my dad say when we wanted to get a dog? You know who's going to be taking care of that dog? Yes, dad, I'm well. I'm taking care of the dog. So it's like, these are the things that you need to know. And so like, also like, who's in your corner to help 
kind of coach you with these things. You know, people who have more experience, who have that know how much a zucchini takes up to plant and a tomato and beans grow up. And so that you can plant here because you can plant tomatoes in front of it. And so there's a lot of planning and preparation. People don't just like throw seeds down and then, you know, it all just comes up, you know, it's meticulously planned. So like when you're thinking about your life, like are, are you taking the time to like sit back and kind of plan? look ahead. Like what's, what's the five-year plan? What's the long-term goal? What are we focusing on this year? Like we don't just throw the seeds out and the hope for the best. It's very strategic in, in what you're placing and where. All right. Some other somewhat random thoughts that are kind of coming up from uh, this chat. Uh, I also th- was thinking about, you know, what's beautiful in one person's garden might not necessarily be beautiful in someone else's garden or like what you perceive as beautiful. Like I, like I like this flower and someone else doesn't have it in their garden, you can't be like, man, they, they're they missing out. They don't have this specific flower in their garden, right? Well, sure. It's like when you drive past the houses, everyone's like landscaping is different, right? And everybody likes something different. Some people like very little. Some people like a lot. And so it kind of just depends on your preference. Well, I'm just thinking about like, there's no judgment, right? Like what everyone is cultivating a slightly different garden. And so you really just need to, and this is why like the title is like tend your garden, Part of that is like, mind your own business. Like you got your own responsibilities and, and things that you're trying to make flourish. L- let other people kind of focus on the, the the skills or the goals or the relationships that are significant to them. And a lot of like a lot of us would say like our most important flowers are our spouses and our kids. Um, and those, in, I mean, I, I think we can focus a lot on some commonalities we share as we tend to them. Um, but there's a lot of other things as well, too, that we'd be like, oh, I never would have thought of, you know, focusing on that or cultivating that. Okay. Well, that's their business. Let them, you know, become the gardener that they need to be for the things that are important to them. That was very, very profound. Okay. Oh, you ready for a really big profound one? Yeah. Manure makes a great fertilizer. Who would have thought, like, wherever these, like, rules of nature came in, who was the first person to discover this, too? Like, you know what? If I take this, you know, poop from this animal <laughs> and I spread it my flowers, I bet that's going to turn out great. But it, it does. And, well, go ahead. You can pick up the metaphor. No, you know, <laughs> shit happens in your life, like in your relationships with your family, with your kids, with your work, right? Um, I've got a friend right now whose entire kitchen is torn up into a million pieces because of a leaking dishwasher that's now, like, they're like half, having to demo their kitchen and like everything's up in the air, right? Like I can't cook dinner. I can't feed my kids. I'm supposed to be homeschooling in my house and I've got workers everywhere. Like shit happens. And even sometimes out of that, good things come. And I think sometimes we forget that. Well, kind of like you can't just throw manure into a garden and then and then something grows like it, it's it's got to be intentional, right? Like the, the manure, you know, maybe it shows up in your garden and in fact, we had that, like there's coyote poop, like all over the side of the house over here. Is your grass growing better now? Yeah, actually it grew really great in that spot. I'm not going to lie. Um, but like sometimes it might just show up, but you've already had to have planted something that like you see beauty and, and value in cultivating. And then like, yeah, like the, the manure could just like, just cover it and kill it. Um, but like strategically deployed it can become something that is extremely healthy and actually makes the flower grow bigger, faster, stronger. Um, so maybe that's just a positive spin on the the garbage that we encounter in life and say like, yeah, like a lot of it can be garbage, but the, the, even the worst things that happen, um, well, like none, none of us even, can shield ourselves from like traumas and things, but like, let's, let's see how this fits into the bigger picture. If we have healthy, deep roots that were planted right? Like foundations that were laid and have been watered, right? Like perennials that constantly come back, even when shit happens, like it it can withstand. It doesn't have to be like literal manure, but just, just the, the crap that happens, you know, like um, bad weather, drought, right? Like uh, harsh winters that kill things. Again, things that are, are deeply planted and well-rooted and watered and cared for and paid attention to, like will still thrive, mm. even if right? Branches break and things brown, right? Oftentimes they come back and sometimes come back stronger. Yeah. I mean, that reminds me of a a simple phrase that you've said previously, which is like grass grows where you water it, right? And kind of that same principle, like, and now we're thinking beyond just grass, but 
when you're applying like the right kind of like positive intentionality towards things, like then you're you're going to see the fruits from that. But I like where you're going too, where like even if like the the frosts come or the just the, whatever the negative elements of life that happen, like if you've already tended to it, continue to tend to it, then chances are really good that it's going to continue to thrive. We, I mean, we'd all like ideal circumstances, but that's. That's ideal. That's not, that's not life, the real. right? Yeah. Like when it rains, it pours. And, and usually things kind of mess up our plans or our intentions. And so while you might plan out your garden a certain way or have a plan for what comes next, you can't help when, you know, a, 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 your tree, you know, falls in a storm or a branch breaks or right. Like those are just things that we have to then kind mm-hmm. of like move on from and, and create a new plan and, and, and just pivot. Let's talk about weeds. We haven't really talked about weeds. Oh, weeds. Weeds are the worst because all you do is you spend time, you know, bending over, pulling them out. Uh, But what's tricky about weeds is if you don't get to the root of the weed, obviously it comes back. Uh, And even if you do get to the root of the weed, more weeds sometimes come back in a different spot. And so it's like this game of like, what's that game where you like hit the thing on the head? The whack-a-mole. The whack-a-mole, right? Where you're just like constantly whacking to get rid of it, right? Because weeds do what? Well, that reminds me of moles and hedgehogs and gophers. Also can be threats to one's garden. But go on. Sorry. Weeds. Well, weeds. <laughs> back to weeds. Um, that you're constantly pulling them out, right? Because like, like weeds grow in like the worst circumstances and yet they flourish. And it's like, I wish my, my garden flourished as much as my weeds flourished. Right. You can't Uh grow grass, but you can grow Uh weeds. And isn't that, that's, that's human nature right there. Like, I I mean, can you describe human nature any better? Like our worst qualities just automatically come out. You don't have to work at it. They're just there. And when you aren't paying attention, they're there that much more. And when you do pay attention, then that's when you have to go through and kind of identify like, oh, okay, this is a weed. I don't want this in my garden. It kind of popped up, but I'm going to take the time to pull it out, preferably preferably by the root. I mean, they're, I mean, they're just such a pain. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've spent more time weeding this summer than any other summer. Because I've spent less time weeding this summer, well, and so you've I had to weed. More. Once you pull one, then you just start seeing... Well, okay, this this goes on to the metaphor, too, because I'm like, oh, there's a weed. Let me just stop and pull this real quick, and then I'll move on. But no, like, once I'm down there and I pull it out... Yeah, it's like something about bending down. You now have a completely different vantage point, and you're like, oh, you, you can't, oh no. Yeah. There's like 14 right behind there. It. Yeah, you just go, just one more, just one more. And there's there's always more. Uh, but I, I feel like that's the case with a lot of things we're, we're trying to build in life too, where like you, you, if you aren't careful, aren't paying attention, then these weeds can very quickly and easily crop up. And even if we felt like it wasn't an issue or we swore we weren't going to do this thing one more time or whatever, like we kind of automatically find ourselves doing that. And you kind of have to be on guard. And I mean, for us, like weeding could be almost like this daily adventure that we have. Because even when we pull everything one day, then by the next morning, you have like new sprouts starting to appear. This reminds me, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, have you ever read The Little Prince, by the way? A long time ago. I was probably in college. Such a classic. Um, but one of my favorite moments from The Little Prince is when the like part of the story of The Little Prince is he's on like these this tiny, tiny planet and he goes and visits other tiny, tiny planets. But one planet was like completely taken over by this huge tree. And the message was like, you know, the idea was like these huge trees that can take over and destroy planets that some of these other people in the story live on. They start very, very small. And your job is to like protect your planet, protect your world by like identifying this when it's very small and easy to uproot and get rid of. But just like bad habits, like these trees would grow if allowed to until they become too big to deal with. And it literally like destroys everything. And that's one of the central messages of this section of the book. Children, watch out for the baobabs. Because the baobab was the kind of ginormous tree that's represented in the story. Well, and that's like when you think about your life or, you know, as we're raising kids and we've got two junior hires now. And it's like, you have to be careful with the people you surround yourself with, with what you're listening to. Like you can, you know, you can listen to any kind of music and you think that the kind of music you listen to doesn't impact you. 
But if you look, I just listen to it for the beat. Right. But if you think about like the words or um, not even the words, but like what they're saying or what it's implying, right? Like that's, that starts to like, it's like this little weed, right? It's like this little seed, a weed seed that goes down. And like the more you listen to it or the more you surround yourself with certain people or like the more you swear or you smoke one time, right? It's, it starts to like build, mm-hmm. right? And that weed starts to grow and you're like, eh, it's still not a big deal. I don't, you know, but like over time, like th- like those, those are the things that you hear. Those are the things that you see. You become desensitized to that, right? And those weeds grow. But to you, they're normal. They're not weeds. You don't see them as something that Even like you need to be bigger careful than of. it was originally. Right. Yeah. And that's true with any habit too. Like, I mean, I, I think about health at the same time where like, you know, at first maybe you start by missing a few hours of sleep because of when you're working or you're in, entertaining yourself or whatever. Um, but then like, it's kind of this, this weed of missing out on sleep or I'm not drinking any water during the day. I'm drinking whatever, too much coffee or pop or vodka or whatever. Yeah. Or I'm, I'm drinking right. alcohol all the time right. and all these little things. And all of a sudden, like a lot of the, the beauty that you would like to be experiencing in life is harder to come by because you allowed these little things to turn into big things. And it's much, it's still it's possible, but it's much harder to more fully uproot because now the, the weed itself is taller. The roots are a little bit deeper. And even when you dig it out, I mean, I've had a bear of a time with certain kinds of like weeds and plants just because like the roots themselves are like so ingrained. There. And then they spread. And they spread and they're just, you got to tear up the whole garden to like, just to get rid of them to, to start over. Um, so it can get extreme just as we talk about weeds, but I, I don't think any conversation about gardening could overlook that. Yeah. I mean, just think about your habits, like in terms of your health, right? Right. What's, what's two less hours of sleep, except you're replacing sleep with like mindlessly scrolling or watching, right? Mm-hmm. Things that don't add value to, to who you are or who you say you want to be or yeah. like your diet, right? You and I were talking about diet earlier and we we're talking about like, you don't have to be perfect, but like, you know, like 80-20, like, okay, have a cookie, have a beer, but like, what is the majority of what you're putting into your body, right? Like, it, like it matters with what you're feeding your plants and how you're watering them and, and, and all of that. And so like, we're probably like the most precious cargo, that we have, like us, our kids, like our own bodies. So like, how are we fueling them, nourishing them? How are we treating them? Like we say, it's no big deal to do these things or to not do these things, but really they, they impact our overall health, our well being, right? Like our, our mental state, our emotional state. Yeah. And maybe that's just a good thing to do. Like for ourselves, like take a look at something in our life that we would rather not have and just calling it what it is. We could say like, that's a weed. And then once we name it, be like, all right, I don't want weeds in my garden. In fact, it's getting in the way of, because like, weeds can like choke out the more beautiful things that you want uh, or like steal resources or, or whatever it is that weeds do. <laughs> and then you can, it, you have you have to extract them. So then that's something that spouses could do for one another too. Like, yeah, like I'll allow yourself to have some liberties. You don't have to be so strict, but if you notice something that I'm doing that has become probably an unnecessary habit, getting in the way of the more beautiful things we would agree I would prefer to cultivate, just say like, that's a weed. Like, what are you going to do to to take this out? Can I pull it for you? Just like you want to pull my eyebrow hairs out. Hey, it is what it is. <laughs> um, So I was reading in, Candide, you know, Voltaire's uh, classic uh, yes. from the 1700s. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I, reading I was this just thinking about that year. the other day. <laughs> Get out of here. Um, I'll, I'll share at the end of the year, I'll share my reading list, but uh, Voltaire's Candide was on it. And it is, it's not worth the read um, unless you're like me and you kind of, you know, like some of that esoteric stuff. But it basically like focuses on this crazy journey this guy goes on. And it's uh, like somewhat philosophical, somewhat tongue in cheek uh, with a lot of its critiques of society and of philosophers and so on. You, I just want to let you know that you've already lost me. And so. Okay, I'm getting is, to the are, point. Is there something here you were going to say? So at the end of the book. <laughs> You have some of the the main protagonists together, and they have started a garden, and they're starting to see like the the garden thrive. And one of the things that they settle on at the end is like saying, like, is basically, like, is there anything better in life than tending to our own gardens? And there, there's like other like philosophical implications from the narrative and whatever. Part of what they're talking about is like, is there anything other than better than like just minding our own business? But I wonder, 
like more deeply, like is is there anything better or more important than tending to our own garden? So I just want to ask you this, like what would it mean if you, what's what's something you could do that is not tending your garden? I don't even understand the question. So I guess what I'm getting at is like, is there, if, if you were not paying attention to your own garden, then what are you doing? Hey, you're worried about somebody else. Like the grass is greener where you water it, not on the other side of the fence. So like focus on what you have. So you could focus on like someone else's garden and which sure, you could seems point, like a useless... point out their flaws or you could you could talk about how they're not doing it right or where they should plant something or that that's too tall, right? Like you could you could mind somebody else's garden, but usually when we do that it's it's not for the sake of helping somebody. <laughs> right. Right? It's for comparing or complaining. Right. And so that that's what I was thinking like just at the like the first tier is like just playing the a silly comparison game for like two unlike things that shouldn't be compared anyway. But as also thinking about like maybe your intentions are good. Like is it worthwhile to get involved in your community or in politics or in organizations that you feel like are important to you to the extent that that might pull you away from some other things that you've planted, namely like your family. So here's the thing in our garden, you know, however you want to describe that metaphor, there are two gardeners for our garden. There's me and there's you. And so the way that our garden works is that we garden together. And when I can't be tending the garden or pulling the weeds, I have you to help me and vice versa. And so there are times where we work in tandem and there are times that we work in shifts. And I think that that works for us. And that means that if you want to take your knowledge and your skills and help be a part of somebody else's garden or plot or I don't know, however you want to like extend say, like this metaphor. Tiers, like the, you know, the, the community garden, the national garden, like, you know, sure. just trying to help beautiful things grow, but maybe that needs more scale. than one gardener, yeah. right? That needs a, a variety of gardeners at, at different times and different stages, then you can lend your expertise at that time. But that's because there's someone here to tend our garden and not to neglect what we have. That's all I got for you. So like the moral is like those things can be useful, but you need to make sure, even if it's not you personally, it's probably your spouse, like making sure that the garden is still thriving. Sure. But also like you have to take care of you and yours first. And then from um, the overflow of like the resources and joy and talent you have, then you use those to serve others and others' gardens. Yeah, I, w- I mean, I was thinking too, like as your garden like continues to grow, you can plant more things within it, but then like maybe expand your focus a little bit to like your garden kind of gains strength and maybe a degree of independence or at least familiarity over time where it doesn't require like the, 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 the frantic cultivation when you're just starting out. You know what I've noticed about anyone who has a, a garden, and I'm not talking about flowers at this point, but I'm talking about like vegetables, fruits or whatever, they always want to share because they have more than what they need. Because you like plant a plant thinking, all right, I'll, I'll plant these and I'll use it. And then every gardener, every gardener looks at themselves and goes, I can't use all these green beans. I can't use all these tomatoes, right? I've got one lady across the street bringing me tomatoes. We had uh, the guy across the street bring us, what, like hot peppers, cucumbers. I step outside without whatever, coming right? back like in with a, a bag by, like, full. Yeah. Right. And this is, they again, don't let it go to waste. I, go, I can't leave my mom's house without a bag full of vegetables. I visited my grandma. I came home with a bag full of vegetables. And so what's that's the part that I was talking about is like they have their own to deal with. But from the joy and the overflow of their own garden, they're they're looking to like help other people or provide other people with what they have. And so I think that's part of a gardener mentality that I I like and I'd like to like utilize more where it's like from the overflow, like from all of the things that I've cultivated, from all of the extra like love and goodness and money, right, then I have an overflow to like give to others to help beautify, right? Whether that's through tomatoes or flowers or money or time or like right volunteering, like that that you build something that is that is so beautiful and so useful that then you can serve other people. At the same time, I look at like a, an older version of ourselves and I would imagine us like surveying our garden. Here's everything that we've, we've kind of built or, or tended to that is beautiful and precious and sacred to us in our life. And like taking a pride in that, like being like, look, look what we have grown. 
Like we have made this patch of earth that much more beautiful than had we not been here. And now we've, we've left our mark. And I mean, like flowers can reproduce. So kind of like our kids as well, right? Like now you have these flowers uprooting themselves and hopefully not moving that far away and then starting little gardens of their own. Are you going to trust up or are you just laughing? I'm I'm just picturing flowers like growing legs and and walking walking a few blocks away. Yeah. Uh, and then they, right. But then like that garden in a way, like continues to, to spread long after you well, need to personally cultivate it's it. your seeds, right? Your seeds then continue to flower those flowers or those, right? Like even my, my dad or my grandma, like keep the seeds from certain vegetables and then use those to replant the next year. Right. Like I had some at the gym be like, Hey, do you have any of those kugutsa seeds? Kugutsa is zucchini. I want to plant some next year. Make sure your grandma saves me some seeds so that I can plant. And so like this, this passing of generation, this passing um, down to people, to communities, right? Like it, it changes something. You leave the land or, and the people better than, than how you found them. And so those are some beautiful pictures of, like I said, our, our favorite metaphor. And uh, I think more more kinds of uh, images may come to your mind if you spend any time outside, even just like weeding and and working with your hands with nature. Um, Some of you are probably better plant people or gardeners than we are by far. It's not hard, but um, there's a lot of beautiful images that come from that. And we like metaphors like this because this is just a big way of how we think about and try to come to a better understanding of our life and what we're pursuing and some of the beautiful things that we're experiencing along the way. It's been a beautiful summer filled with lots of, uh, lots of things, lots of, lots of plants and fruits and, and flowers. And just like, you know, every summer has a fall. And so now we're, we're going to kind of be on the other side of that, where we watch things start to kind of like dwindle and the seasons change and the colors change and, and things shift, mm-hmm. right? They wilt and they die and, and then they come back. And so, you know, just that, that whole process of, of what a year is and, and what it looks like and the ups and the downs and kind of like that, you know, regrowth and, and renewal for a new year. Yeah. So uh, we hope that we hear a few other connections and uh, extended analogies that you come up with related to the garden. And um, I guess with that, we'll have to wrap up season 10. Uh, We will be back in October. So we're looking forward to launching season 11 at that time. And I guess that gives you listeners a whole month to write some amazing five-star reviews for us on Apple Podcasts in the meantime. Well, we did it. Another season done. If you have any suggestions, ideas, or things you want to hear about in season 11, uh, let us know. Send them our way. Otherwise, best wishes to you. We hope that your summer was a wonderful season. And we're looking forward to connecting with you again in October as we launch into our fall season. See you then. Much love. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. We hope you will use this conversation as a starting point for your own. We hope you're encouraged to think and act more intentionally. If you want to learn more, you can visit our website, therelentlesspursuitpodcast.com, where you can find notes on today's show, plus additional blog posts, and you can subscribe to our free members list. Please subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends. Facebook and Instagram are two great places to connect with us for daily doses of our quotable quotes, behind the scenes, and real-time photos, videos, and challenges. Until next time, let us know how you are taking life off autopilot. And relentlessly pursuing what matters.